Okay, guys, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm Mallory Smart, your host, and I'm joined today with Nate Perkins. Now, do you prefer to be called yeah. Nate? Introduce yeah, great. yourself. Um, yeah, I write under my full name, Nathaniel Kennan Perkins, uh, but I go by Nate. I don't write under the name Nate Perkins because there's a pro disc golfer named Nate Perkins. And there's also a uh, conservative talk show host named Nate Perkins. So I thought I'd just uh, make it a little bit more complicated. Yeah, definitely stray away from the conservative talk show host. Yeah, guy. you definitely have to uh, get that search engine optimization, you know. I don't want to compete with it him. It really is. <laughs> I mean, it, you're competing more with the golfer. I Googled you, like, right now. And, yep, that was the oh, first yeah, was it? Nate Perkins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then I actually came across a Medium article uh, by Bart Yeah, Bart Shaneman. Shaneman? Yeah. yeah. That was a pretty cool article on self-reliance, Mormonism, and do-it-yourself punk yeah. culture. Yeah, that screams you yeah. to me. Bart's a good homie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like that he met you in a very similar way that I met you. <laughs> uh, a reading in a yeah, garage. Yeah, it's exactly the same way, isn't it? Yeah, I've been to a lot of readings in garages. I've met the best people in readings in garages, I guess. It really, like, I didn't know it was that big of a thing. In Chicago, a lot of people don't have yeah, garages. So, Colorado's just lousy Most people do, garages. like, it really is. Like, when I went to Colorado the first time, I was like, this is definitely more, like, spaced out than I yeah. thought it would be. Yeah. Are you there yep, right I'm now? I'm sitting at my desk in Boulder. That's yeah. chill. And you're no longer with Trident right now, uh, the bookstore. Not right. The press. So I'm not working in the bookstore currently, um, but mm-hmm. I am still running Trident Press. So still, you know, on good terms with everybody, but just uh, trying to do something else for a little bit. So like, would you consider it more like furlough or like you'll go back eventually? Uh, I have the option to go back whenever I'd like. And I'm just trying to figure out when that is. Um I'm doing some. I'm doing a bunch of freelance work right now, writing and design, picking up odd jobs, and then also just trying to uh, work on both a novel and a screenplay. So I'm spending a lot of time doing that. I dig yeah. that. You want to talk a little bit about the uh, novel? Sure. I mean, um, I you know, it's I just finished the first draft of it. Is all. Um, I was trying to move just trying to push myself a little bit to write uh, something outside of the usual uh, sad punk boy stuff that I do. And so I was trying to write um, (laughs) a romantic comedy. Uh, It still turned into sort of a punk sad boy romantic comedy, but uh, we'll see where it goes. I'm happy with it so far. We seriously recorded a podcast a week ago and we were uh, discussing like playlists that we sent to each other. And I keep sending sad boy music it, <laughs> to yeah, people. It's important, I guess. <laughs> it really is. I mean, what would you consider like sad boy? Well, as far, like in the context of music? Yeah. Uh, I mean, number one sad boy band for me is Told Slant. Yeah. Really? Definitely. If you're, if you're feeling in a sad boy mood, that's, that's the way to go. 
See, I feel like there are different levels of sad, and with each different generation, they have their different sad boy music. I like that my like twenty year old niece has a sad boy playlist, and number one thing is Billie Eilish, and I was like, oh, we are on yeah, different levels. But I can see that too. That vibes. Oh no, I, I could definitely get to like being down with that. She sounds depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, depressed with money. It's yeah, a that's, thing, yeah, but yeah, that's a sort of depression I can't fathom, but. Here, are you drinking something oh, yeah, in the background too? Ah, oh, damn! I'm the only alcoholic well, yeah. here. Uh, I was just out in mm. the sun all morning, so I think water instead of beer yeah. is probably good for me right now. It's good hydration. I highly recommend it. Probably ought to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, what kind of music did you listen to while writing this um, book? You know what? I've been listening. A lot of standbys, some stuff that's a little bit newer to me, some revisiting other things. Um, when I am actually writing, I either have to listen to classical music or music with lyrics that I can't sing along with. So I'll always either listen to Beethoven or like grindcore. Um, so it's got to either be really mellow or really fast. So I listen to a lot of Beethoven, and then I listen to uh, bands like Wormrot and Insect Warfare. And then I listen to other stuff mm-hmm. to sort of get me pumped when I'm not actually writing writing. So lately... So when you're writing, writing is stuff like that you could just kind of like put in the back of your head. Yeah, uh, one way or another. Yeah. yeah, a little bit more passive listening experience. Um, and both of those could also be active listening experiences, but uh, I can sort of just have them going and... Uh, helping me mm-hmm. get in a vibe without having to pay too much attention to them necessarily. That's mm-hmm. cool. I am totally sending you a Spotify playlist. Yeah, do it later Please. today. You should send okay, me one cool. too. I'm very intrigued to see all what right, you do. All right, I'm into it. Okay. So go on, tell me about the romantic comedy. I'm just dying to hear what you would. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Not no, a mocking no, no. tone or anything, um, too. But yeah. I can't. I mean, I can't talk about it too much yet because it's still a long way from done. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've. Got, you don't I don't want to jinx it, it. Uh, but it's basically. I'll just say it's about a. Um, it's about a person who writes papers for college students for money, and then sort of falls in love with a professor through that process. Ooh. Yeah. I do that on uh, Upwork sometimes. Oh, really? Does that show up on Upwork? Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. You always have to like ask for a sample of their writing, though, just so you can kind of stay on the Definitely. same level. Yeah. I mean, but the, the good part yeah. is that you only have to write better than the average undergrad, usually. I have been like offered so many jobs where I'm just like, I am totally not qualified for this. I've had people like ask me, like, oh, can you write my like law? degree uh i don't know what it is like acceptance or whatever interview whatever and i'm just like i'm sorry i'm not qualified for that that sounds stressful application that's the word i'm looking for like i'll give it a go one person is like i'm trying to apply for med school can you write like my my uh intro letter and i'm just like i'll watch Grey's anatomy and try Perfect. But no, I stay away from that shit now. Now I just kind of 
stick to Maudlin House, which uh, I've published a book of yours. Yep. That was really fun yep. to do. 2019, The Way Cities Feel to Us Now. I saw that you were just on another podcast. I tweeted yeah. about it last um, night. Yeah, a couple, man, I don't know when it was. I forgot to post about it until yesterday. But I was on uh, I was really on cool. Book Record Beer. Um, one of our favorite podcasts. Also about music and literature. So I was just talking about that book, about the way cities feel to us now. And that is, uh, well, Nick Gregorio was my connect to the podcast and, uh, you and I have both published his work. Nick's a good guy. And he's actually the first guest that we did on this podcast oh, hell yeah. as well. We have like a nice little triumvirate yeah, yeah. going on now. That's that's the Me, you and Nick can take yeah, over the world. That's the way uh little literary scenes work, huh? I wanna say me and Nick met you at the same time. Didn't yeah, we? we all met um it was at Catch Fest or Next Literary Fest, uh in 2018 summer of 2018 it's like a dude that yeah. is wild because seriously the medium article i'm looking at 2018 it was probably yeah i think bart was there too um yeah yeah that was just in catch business's backyard at the book fair i think or we we did a mm-hmm. we set up a reading together it was the maudlin house trident press who's the third press i keep forgetting Shoot. that i can't remember I remember Ella Longcray was there. You came up with the amazing name of Burn All Down, Burn Down All yeah, Human burn, Cities. Yeah, Burn Down Every Human City, which is actually a line from a from a garage punk band from Boise, Idaho called Johnny Combat and the Jungle Fucks. Holy yeah. shit. I need yeah, to check definitely. That out. I doubt that Johnny Combat is still active, but I really like that stuff. You should definitely link okay, me to that on Twitter okay, later. But I love that. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> what was it? Okay. Then afterwards, we took you to a bar that we don't know the name of. Nick and I just keep calling it uh, Death it's Metal Bar. It's called True. T-R-U-E. Stylized with a V instead of a U. Yeah. Metal Bar. We're just going to yeah, call metal it Metal Bar. bar. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. No. We discovered it the year prior at Catch Fest and... Malden House was about to do a reading. I didn't know that people were actually going to like respond to me when I said, okay, let's all do shots before the reading. Like everybody in my group. Oh, yeah. with me. Nice. And they were like, all right, yeah, let's all do the shots. And I was like, holy shit. I just thought this is going to be me booing Nick. <laughs> all right. It helps. And like, we were just there for an hour and we we're like, uh Oh, it's our turn to go to the reading really quickly. Yeah. That was a fun, that was a fun event. I wonder if, She's going to do that ever again. I was going to ask. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. Because you're more in the geographic. You're in the same yeah. state. Um, I don't run into catch very often. Maybe she's not even in the same state I anymore. She is. I, I don't know. She's still in Denver, but I haven't talked to her for a long time. You know Denver. Like, uh, what neighborhood is oh, that? Oh, God. I don't know Denver that well. Uh <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Somewhere somewhere in the south. I'm not sure. Does like Denver and Boulder and everything, do they have cool neighborhood names? Yeah, for sure. I just don't know. I mean, I hang out in Denver every once in a while. I haven't much this year. Um, <clears throat> well, you're yeah. in Boulder. What neighborhood uh, are I you in? I'm in the Whittier neighborhood. 
That is yeah. perfect. Yeah. For Just you. right close to downtown. Yeah. That's cool. I like Boulder better than Colorado. My would-be sister-in-law uh, just uh, moved to Boulder, I want to say like briefly, and then she hopped over to California, which, you know, big mistake. Yeah, but. right now, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, Boulder's nice. Yeah, but she was saying she really it's liked cool. it. It's uh, it's pretty small. It's a college town. Um, it's very wealthy and expensive, which is hard to deal with sometimes. Um, I hear that there are a lot of like tech startups. That's there. true, and Google has some offices. That's here. probably what's yeah. driving it up. So rent's really expensive. I mean, in all of Colorado, but especially here, it feels like rent is really expensive. So it's a little hard. Uh, I feel like this is like a maybe a too personal question. I never like know when to draw that line. What is like a one bedroom? A one like if you're going to get a one bedroom apartment in Boulder, you won't pay less than. Twelve or thirteen hundred. Yeah. Wow. That's not yeah, bad. I mean, it's I not mean, bad compared. I mean, like I'm thinking about like the people I know who like are in New right. York and stuff. So right. like, it's it's better yeah, than it's that. It's not New York. It's not San Francisco. Um, it's a lot more expensive than say Albuquerque or Kansas City. Um, I think Albuquerque sounds like it'd be a fun scene. Albuquerque is awesome. Have you been there often? Uh, yeah, I lived there for a while. Um, in Well, I was born there, and then I lived there again in 2016, and I really liked it. It's a great place. You've kind of been everywhere. Yeah. What I like about you is that uh, you kind of tour a lot. Right. Um, I try to, yeah. Uh, touring is one of the most fun parts about writing to me or just art in general. I mean, I'd love writing and I love Definitely. publishing and all that stuff. Um, but that's something I sort of picked up from being part of punk and DIY music scenes was that sort of aspect of mm-hmm. touring. Um, and I usually tour, you know, I'll go on tour with a band, right? So th- there'll be a band and then me and we'll book shows where they play and I read um, and it's a lot of fun. And you've been in bands too, I've right? been in a bunch of bands, uh, less so recently, but I definitely came up sort of figuring out art and the way I looked at it and what my process was by playing in bands. Like, who are you more in the band? Obviously you've been in a bunch, so obviously you probably like rotate a bit, but what do you I usually, usually do? play guitar or bass? sing a little bit, mm-hmm. um, write songs, and do a bunch of promotion and booking. Those are usually my roles. Where can we find these? Uh, let's see. So on my website, nathanielkenanperkins.com, there is a page that links to a bunch of recordings of bands that I've been in. So most recently I was in a band called Sad Bug, um, which I quit last year, I guess. Um, it says it's a mescaline trailer park emo three. Yeah, that's, that's what, what we're that calling mean? it. Uh, it was just sort of like it was like emo and rock and roll, uh, heavily influenced, I think, by psychedelics. Uh, but the music wasn't Ooh. psychedelic. Um, and we practiced in a trailer park. I would say is uh, 
is Mescaline Trailer Park? Is that the name no, of the no. place? No, uh, no, Mescaline. Mescaline. Uh, yeah, Mescaline. Uh, that would be the most active alkaloid in peyote for the San Pedro cactus. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, I can see yeah. that. You actually sent me a book. Oh my god, I'm trying to remember which one it was that has a cactus on it. Oh uh, yeah, my first book, Cactus, maybe. That, yeah, and that go. yeah that book is uh, mescaline plays a big role in that book. Yeah, we uh, we just moved recently, so I know where your book was in my mm-hmm. old apartment, but I don't know where it is right <laughs> now. It happens. It's either in a box or it's behind me on a bookshelf, but I don't have the energy I to search. But what I also like is uh, the Ultimate Gospel Radio. You want to tell me a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, so I, a bunch of years ago, maybe 10 years ago, started a zine called Ultimate Gospel. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a literary zine that I still put out from time to time. But um, my good friend, Brendan, had a really cool radio show. And I liked the format, thought that it would translate well to both music I like and recordings of people reading or other spoken word recordings that I like to. So I put together episodes of ultimate gospel radio on a website called Mixcloud, And it's just a combination mm-hmm. of music and spoken word. So I'm working on an episode right now. The writer Chase Griffin has some recordings that we're going to throw on there. Um, I yeah. love their work. Chase is great. Adam, Adam Gennady has uh, read on the show. There's been a bunch of stuff like that. I met them both, I believe, when you were in Chicago last time. That's right. Chase was there. Yeah. 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 And so was Adam. And I was on tour with Adam. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about the Ultimate Gospel, though, because I'm looking at it. uh, You have a lot of interesting stuff on there. Yeah, so it's just a combination of whatever I want to put on there. So it's like... A mix. There's a lot of punk, uh, some metal and grindcore stuff. Have you even seen like some hip? Yeah, a little bit of hip hop, a lot of country, some reggae, some cumbia, just whatever I feel like. It's sort of like a. See, I find that fascinating about you is you just or do everything, listen to everything. Person. The more things you like, the more fun you have. Uh, so I just, I it's sort of like a pretty low pressure creative project to put together that radio show. Um, so I can just do whatever I want and not have to worry about it too much. So I try to try to just throw on a little bit of everything I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was listening to episode 12. I Thanks. liked it. Thanks. I like following it. You do some really great work. So I'm going to let you lead from here. What do you want to talk um, about? Well, that's a good question. Um, I guess one can say it's the ultimate the question. The ultimate question. Well, I think since this is a podcast about music, music yeah, and, and lit. lit, I think like an important part, an important thing to think about for me as I've been writing, as I've been publishing, doing all these sort of more literary projects is the way that those two art forms sort of influence each other. Um, and there's the, you know, there's sort of the way that, the obvious way, like what, you know, the music that I listen to definitely, and the art I consume in general definitely informs my writing. 
both in subject and form, probably. But I think also sort of the the community aspects of my experience in music has also influenced a lot the way that I approach art and approach publishing. Um, I could definitely see that, especially because you're part of the do-it-yourself punk scene that would definitely influence the way you write and, like, the kind of literary scene right. you're in. Right, th- I think so. I think, like, you know... You can learn a lot from punk and DIY scenes that can be directly applied to the writing world. And that can be mm-hmm. stuff like setting up shows in garages or, at, you know, wherever, in bars, uh, going on tour and selling merch or creating a community that's more supportive than competitive. Um, I think, I think like the most important part of that for me has been just the realization that you can put art out into the world without permission from big corporations, right? And and that's something that the punk world has known for a long time. Um, oh, I definitely love that yeah. about punk. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that is becoming more important in the literary world, too. I think, I think we've firmly grasped that now, just with all the small presses and the websites and just... I've noticed a lot of them are starting to go away. You asked that in yeah, an interview which with I'm, me. I haven't put out yet, but Oh, I wasn't sure like what you were doing. It took me like months to get that back to you. I'm so sorry, okay, I'm but slow too. what do you make of that? Of of small presses going away? I think Yeah. I mean, it's like It's like anything like that where it, you know, running a press takes a pretty high level of commitment takes a bunch of work um and people's projects just change you know so i don't think that diminishes the importance of an importance of any small presses and that they only exist for a few years and then drop off um i think that's just sort of the the cycle that we see in diy we see that with with you know some record labels or tape labels you see that with venues right um and the important part is i wish there is like a way to archive the work that they do the what the presses the small presses and everything a lot of the like online ones like try and look them up now and they're just gone yeah i know you could do like archive.com or something but you won't be able to access all the work that's a pretty interesting problem that we could work on finding a way to solve because that's true it does you know i think when i think about it i think about it more in terms of like okay the continuity as far as uh, um i don't know just the scene or like the influence goes right where one one small press drops away somebody else will pick it up somebody else will be influenced by that you think i think specifically of like lazy fascist right um mm-hmm. which i miss yeah, them me too so much lazy fascist was great and they put out so much good stuff and they were really influential on a bunch of people and mm-hmm. you know that i i assume i don't i don't know cameron pierce but i assume that like it was just time to move on to other focuses right and so but there are a bunch of people you know both of us included probably um House of Vlad, probably a bunch of other presses that sort of took a lot mm-hmm. of influence from 
what Cameron Pierce was doing with at lazy fascist and sort of continued. Uh, and that's, and that's just the kind of the cycle of the way it goes. Up until uh, reading, you've read a uh, bipolar cowboy by Noah Cicero from yeah. lazy fascist. Up until then, I really was pretty determined. I was just going to be a prose writer but that that book is what really got me into poetry. That was really great. I actually just rebought it nice. last night. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big poetry guy either. But I think Noah's poetry, um, and then mm-hmm. you know all the poetry that House of Vlad publishes is all stuff that I can really get into. Sort of, I'm definitely more of a a fiction, creative nonfiction kind of guy. But um, reading that stuff, who's pretty, all behind House of Vlad? Uh, as far as I know, it's just Brian Allen Ellis. Uh, yeah. Okay, I yeah. know Brian. I wasn't sure if it was just him alone or if there were other people. I think it's just Brian, too. and he does a hell of a job. Yeah. He really yeah. does. He's, like, really fast-paced. From, like, the three days I knew him, I was just like, dude, do you yeah. sleep? Yeah, Brian. Brian's a really, seems like a really good guy. I've really enjoyed working with him. Yeah, he's really yeah. nice. I, I like, he actually had this theory that... um you could split the world into two different kinds of people, people who love the band Kiss or people who hate the band Kiss. That's fair enough, yeah. Where uh, do you I'm land? I'm definitely more on the, the loving Kiss end of the spectrum. Yeah. Hell yes, yeah. thank you. I feel like maybe that's a question I should start asking. It's a good one. <laughs> on it's the important, show. I think. I think so, too. I was watching Detroit Rock City yeah. the other day. Belent has never seen it before, and he was like, oh, I've been missing American culture. Yeah, that's, culture. A, that's like, a big yep. gap in Belent's understanding of American culture, I think, that you've now filled. <laughs> it's, I think, my role as his girlfriend to, like, fill in all the gaps, be like, you know what? You missed a lot. Yeah, I'll help you. Definitely. Fair enough. If you were to split the world into, like, two kinds of people, how would you split it? Oh, man, that's hard. I know, I went deep there. I didn't even tell you I'd ask you that kind of question. Um, Well, my first instinct is to say something about music as well, but I'm not sure that works. I was going to say, like, the Ramones. I mean, you could overrule Brian with a different Yeah, I was going to say the Ramones, but I don't know if there's anybody that doesn't like the Ramones. Um, I've met a few people who say that they're far too corporate for punk, and then they always say the Sex Pistols are better. I mean... You meet some yeah, I purists. Know. I don't think. I think that the Sex Pistols made more money than the Ramones ever did. The Ramones' career was much longer. Um, yeah. I don't know. Divide the world into two kinds of people. Well, maybe politics will do yeah, it for God. us. I hope not. Yeah. See, just <laughs> yeah. save you yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So. What is um, your favorite kind of music like right now? Like, let's say at the end of the show, what are you going to? You know on? what I've been really into lately is uh, is Sun Ra, the jazz musician. There's this. Um, I mean, Sun Ra was a wild dude. Did some really really interesting work. There's this great video you can find it on YouTube of Sun Ra and the orchestra uh, performing in Berlin in the 60s and they just go crazy you just make the wildest weirdest kind of music just exactly what they want to do and smash stuff and play weird drums 
and play these crazy sort of harsh solos on their instruments and then end by just throwing everything on the ground and just chanting. Um, and the crowd just goes crazy for it. Uh, and I think that's really inspiring just as far as like knowing that you can make exactly the art you want to and make it as weird as you want it to. And you'll connect with the people, Mm -hmm. uh, who are, who are listening to it, who want to connect with it. Right. I think that there's so much energy in that performance. It almost like verges on a magical ritual or something. It's, it's really amazing. So I've been really influenced by Sun Ra lately. I dig that. See, I'm shocked that you didn't say like you write to that kind of music. Like that would definitely get me in like the writing mood. I would get lost into. I sort of like use that. that as like a as like a build up before I start. Um, okay. But then I'll get I'll, get yourself into that transcendental yeah, state. Yeah, achieve some sort of gnosis through Sun Ra, and then and then uh, go to writing. But if I write with that on, I'll get too distracted. That's cool. No, I can vibe that. So I would say that I would usually ask you to do like a three to six minute reading of some work that relates to what we're discussing, but we kind of went all over the board. So what do you yeah, feel I, like? Yeah, I'll definitely read. I've got um, a chapter from my new book, Wallop, which came out on House of Vlad earlier this year. Um, Check it out. Yeah, definitely, definitely worth picking up, I would say. Um, and it's just a chapter in which sort of the ideas of music just seep into seep into this journey and seep into a little bit of how we experience life. Um, so I can read that. Cool. Sounds good. Um, this chapter is called Pushing Off. <laughs> okay. My alarm went off at 5 a.m. It felt nice to wake up to next... It felt nice to wake up next to Lauren, even at such an ungodly hour, even when she was just lying there farting. She drove me to Union Station in Denver. We didn't talk much. I played that song Kansas City by Fats Domino. I sang along, and when the part of the lyrics came up, they got some crazy little women there, and I'm going to get me one. Lauren looked at me sideways, but she didn't say anything. At the curbside drop-off, she kissed and hugged me and called me baby. I stood around waiting, bought an expensive coffee. It was Danny's idea to leave so early, but I should have known better than to think he'd be on time. He was moving to Kansas City for a while to save money to go to Berlin by working construction and living with our friend Tex. Danny eventually showed up, grinning, hair messed up, his handsome canvas messenger bag stuffed full of God knows what and slung over one shoulder. Without paying the fare, we got on the airport train and got off again after only one stop. We walked through neighborhoods until we got to I-70. We found an intersection that led to the on-ramp. It seemed good enough. Tex had hitchhiked from Denver to Kansas City at least a dozen times. He said that we could get there in 12 hours easy, but he was hazy on the details of where the best place to catch a ride was. Danny and I tried everything. Standing together with our thumbs out, flying a sign, standing on different corners, flying our own signs, and every combination in between, plus all the sorts of compulsive, superstitious tricks that a baseball player might employ before a big game. I thought maybe if I turned my hat around backwards or I put my wallet in my back left pocket instead of the right one, my luck might change. But it didn't. The sun was hot and we were roasting and nobody was stopping. It was almost four hours before we caught a ride. These two guys in a small beat-up Toyota Tercel offered to take us two exits over. It was stupid, but we were sick of looking at the same intersection, so we hopped in. It took maybe an hour until we got another ride. And this one took us about 20, min- 20 minutes east of town, a little ways past the airport. 
Then we got another 30-mile ride from some construction workers. We were hopeful. The curse was broken. Maybe. I kept my hat on backwards, even though my face was burned painful pink. We stood on a countryside on-ramp across the interstate from a flying J, thumbs out, the Rocky Mountains beyond the western horizon now, surrounded by endless acres of eastern Colorado's rolling hills and amber waves of whatever. And nobody stopped, though the narrow asphalt shoulder brought every car within dangerous proximity of us. We got the same responses over and over. Everybody thought they were real clever by giving us thumbs up, like they were returning our friendly greeting. Most often they just shrugged or shook their heads or simply looked away. The response that was funniest at first, but became increasingly infuriating, was when a driver would pretend not to see us by looking at their cell phone. As we waited, I thought about the noble, foolish thing I'd said a few days earlier. Whatever you decide, I'll support you. It was the right thing to say. And if she decided to carry the pregnancy to term, sticking around would be the right thing to do. I planned to, anyway. It was a certain type of misery to stand on the side of the road, stinky and sweaty in the hot sun, boots too tight, pack too heavy. But it was the misery I'd chosen, an act of misery. For me, shifting into the role of caring for offspring would be a passive misery. There'd be no more hitchhiking, no more partying, no more playing in punk bands or traveling to other cities just to get drunk with my weird friends. No more working a low-paying job just because the foreman was my friend and would let me take time off whenever I wanted. I'd have to move into a place with Lauren and the hypothetical baby, which would be unaffordable due to Lauren not being able to work, so we'd have to move in with family, either into the basement of her conservative parents' big suburban cookie-cutter house or into the back room of my mom's place. I didn't even like going over to her parents' house for dinner. Her dad was a registered sex offender, so he wasn't supposed to be around children anyway, and I didn't want to move all the way to Tempe, Arizona, where my mom was. Didn't want to put her through that bullshit. I could maybe get a job with my cousin doing hazardous waste disposal and driving trucks. I tried to imagine Lauren as a mom. I pictured her exhausted, crying. I pictured her finally getting the baby to sleep and immediately getting stoned. I imagined her, a scene I had witnessed countless times, hunched over a plate or a cracked iPhone screen, sucking up a line of cocaine. I imagined myself bitter, resentful, exhausted, trying to be honorable, but snapping at her at the slightest provocation, feeling self-righteous and being a dick because I was rearing a goddamn child. I was doing something insanely hard. More than anything, I didn't want a baby. Not now, probably not ever, but definitely not with Lauren. It was a bleak couple of hours. Then a guy with a huge mustache pulled over in a brand new F-150. He had Gatorade and ice-cold bottles of water. He was a carpenter named Matthew. He might as well have been Jesus of Nazareth. He told us about his ten kids, about his brother was a judge in Kit Carson County who believed in the flat earth theory. He talked about collecting old country albums, how he'd drive to Denver every couple of months to go record shopping. Now, he said slowly, carefully, I'm not a racist or anything. And Danny and I cringed, waiting for the surely racist thing that was to come, but he just said, but I don't like R&B music. We giggled about that for miles and miles, past fields of crop and huge industrial pig farms. Fields of crops and huge industrial pig farms. Matthew the carpenter dropped us in the parking lot of a truck stop in his hometown of Burlington, Colorado. He said, jokingly, I think, now I'm going to call my brother-in-law, he's the sheriff, tell him a couple of good-for-nothing drifters are hanging out in town. Danny and I walked back to the freeway on-ramp. We stood there for about 45 minutes. The sun grew more dark than light. The sky grew more dark than light. It looked like we were spending the night in Burlington. Texas' idea of an easy 12-hour hitch could fuck itself. We went looking for a bar. No luck. The only bar was closed. There weren't any restaurants open either, except for the Carl's Jr. that was back in the truck stop where we'd just come from. 
It wasn't even 8 p.m. yet, and the liquor store was closed. I could feel my heels starting to blister in my boots, and I was sick of carrying my pack around. We found a grocery store and jumped in the dumpster. There was plenty there, potatoes, sausage, eggs, all sorts of stuff that we couldn't eat because we didn't have the means to cook it. All we came out with were a few mangoes, a bunch of freckled bananas, and half a bag of baby carrots that hadn't quite completed the total degeneration into slimy orange-brown mush. We ate it all in the parking lot of a sad-looking real estate office and washed it down by splitting the pocket-sized bottle of Evan Williams I had in the front pocket of my backpack. It was the kind of meal that only makes you hungrier, and we were only drunk enough to feel sleepy and kind of sad, not drunk enough to really romanticize our current position of freedom and wildness. I tried sending Lauren a text, but my phone was at 12%, and it didn't have any bars out here in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, so I turned it off and stuck it into the pocket of my backpack that the whiskey bottle had previously occupied. We walked back toward the truck stop, back toward the glowing edge of the freeway, and looked at the Days Inn that sat across the street from it. We coveted the expensive rooms with their soft beds and TVs and hot showers. These accommodations were well beyond our price range. Instead, we dragged ourselves out behind the hotels and into the endless cornfields where we'd laid out a plastic tarp, bundled up as best we could, and tried our damnedest to appreciate the night sky and its sickly beautiful jizz wash of a Milky Way. We were beat. Yeah. Thanks. I like that. I like how you said butt fuck nowhere. I usually go with oh, butt yeah. fuck, but go yeah, good thanks. for you. <laughs> But no, I highly recommend this book. Where is it available uh, again? So you can get it from House of Vlad. That would be houseofvlad.bigcartel.com is where you can pick it up. Uh, it's also available on Amazon. Um, and how about bookshop? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know about. I mean, I don't. I'm sure it's available at bookshop.org and at lots of independent booksellers too. Um, Probably Trident. Yep, you could get it at Trident in Boulder, Colorado, certainly. Um, Shout yeah. out. And any small bookstore should be able to order it for you. It's widely distributed. Um, That's really yeah. great. Okay, one quick question before okay. you go. What song do we need to listen to right before we read this Right book? before you read this book. Um, yeah. I think that the song you should listen to right before reading this book is Silver Wings by Merle Haggard. Fascinating. Me, I dig it. Sure. I'm trying to think what else it, might be better. No, yeah, go for Silver Wings by Merle Haggard. I think that's I think that's the right thing. Sounds good. We'll cool. do that. Do you have any social media you want to plug uh, you go, Yeah, or? sure. My website is NathanielKennanPerkins.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NK Perkins, um, Ultimate Gospel Radio on Mixcloud, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash NK Perkins. That is great. Cool. Thank you so much, even though it was just sad old me. No, thanks, but no, I'm happy to do that's it. That's cool. Stoked. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap with my interview with the always amazing Nate Perkins. Thank you for checking out Textual Healing. We have some great shows with Kat Giordano, Giacomo Pope, and Joshua Bonzak coming up in the next few weeks. If you want to check us out on Twitter, our handle is at PodHealing. And we have new shows every other Saturday. Keep an eye out. Check us out. Thanks again, as always. 